Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami, Pastor Aldo Leon. We are in Acts, okay? We're going to take a break from Acts after this Sunday. Uh, have a few, a, a few just kind of like isolated messages. Um, and then we'll do a few more messages in Acts late June, early July. And then we're going to stop and we're going to do Jonah for like eight, um, like eight weeks. Uh, but we are still in Acts. So if any of you guys want to recall about what happened last time, is that um, the church was stuck in Jerusalem. They were kind of just a Jew-Jerusalem church. They didn't want to get outside of their comfort zone. And so God pushes them out to be a church that's sensitive about the nations, not just their own kind. They start moving out to Samaria, which is a different area, different races, cultures, and whatnot. But if Satan can't stop the church from doing its mission, what he will do oftentimes is corrupt the mission. So obviously he was trying to keep the church stuck in Jerusalem so none of those bad Samaritans could get saved, you know, and all those other Gentiles and non-Jewish people. But once they get out there, Satan's like, all right, they're here, what am I going to do? So what Satan will do is he will diminish and affect the mission if he can't stop it. And the way he does it oftentimes, it's not obvious. I think people, people are looking for the devil to rave some kind of satanic flag. Hello, here I am, I'm the devil, and I'm here to now deceive you, Christians. That's not how it works. You see those people walking around with those Satan outfits? That's not how Satan primarily works. What he likes to do is corrupt the mission of the church with half-truths, add a little bit, tweak a little bit, but he wants it to, to be kind of looking really nice on the outside. So here's my question. How can we distinguish what God is really doing and what Satan is really doing? Because Jesus said the way is broad that leads to destruction. It means there's more false things than true things in the world. No matter what your, you know, kumbaya, millennial spirit of the age says, it is more falsity than truth. How would we know what is true or what is false? Apart from just kind of like having like, I kind of like feel like that's wrong. I don't know why. Well, here's a really good story that shows us how to be really clear about what movements are satanic and not of the Lord and what we, what are. So we're going to see what it looks like and what it produces. We'll see what Satan's errors and counterfeits looks like and what it produces. So we'll have a real clarity about what we need to be about as a church. So here's what it looks like. Let me read the verses. Um, in 8, verse 9, a man named Simon previously practiced sorcery in the city, and he astounded the Samaritan people while claiming to be somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, and they said, this man is called the great power of God. They were attentive to him because he had astounded them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. After he was baptized, he went around constantly with Philip and was astounded as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. So when you say, how do we understand what false stuff looks like? Here's the first thing. False religion is always about the awesomeness of we, not the awesomeness of he. Okay, I'm not trying to rhyme, I just happened to. The awesomeness of we as opposed to the opposite. If you look, it says, he was somebody great. This man is the great power of God. And you see like three times in a row that Simon, this guy who kind of goes off and does his own thing, it's all about him being a really great, 
great, great, great person. It's kind of like, you know, the, you know, you know the person you're talking to, and every time you say something, they say, yeah, me too. Like, you know, you're talking about being tired, and you're like, well, I'm more tired. And you're talking about, like, you know, I, I'm really happy because my marriage is going to build. I'm really happier. because They always make everything about them. Maybe you are that person. Maybe I am that person. I don't know. Um, that's what Satan wants to make Christianity to be about. It's all about us being awesome, and God is kind of like a footnote underneath our awesomeness. And it, it usually plays itself out with four ways. It's either like, I'm so morally awesome that God's morality kind of like is underneath mine, or I'm so personally awesome that my personal awesomeness and ability is kind of like underneath God's, or I'm so situationally awesome that my situational awesomeness kind of like trumps God's, or I'm so awesome in the world. I do so many impressive things in the world that God's awesomeness is kind of trump. But listen, Philip comes in, and what does he do? Philip, he preaches what? The good news of the kingdom. So true religion is about we're not the point, God's the point, okay? We're like kids. Kids are not really about their awesomeness. They're always about God, their parents' awesomeness, right? Dad is awesome. Dad is strong. Dad is great. That is how Christians are. But the devil wants to make religion to be all about how great we are and put God under our shadow as opposed to us being under God's great shadow. And I don't know about, I don't know about you, but go into a Christian bookstore and you can see this theme. Christianity is all about us being awesome, not about God's awesomeness being our canopy that we enjoy. So that's what it looks like first. Here's the second thing I noticed from this. What, is, what, is it, what does that era look like? It looks like trends to follow, not truth. Notice something. Um, Simon was like the, the, the religious, like, impressive guy, and then Christianity becomes more popular. And when Christianity becomes more popular, he's like, I think I should be a Christian. It's pretty popular. Right? So it's not about, see, Christianity is not about being, things being popular. It's about things being true. It's about things being glorifying to God, whether it's popular or not. But Satan likes to make Christianity to be about trendiness and popularity and bandwagon. You know, it's like, have you ever been that person where you don't want to go somewhere? But simply because you weren't invited, you want to go somewhere just because people were, were invited somewhere? <laughs> That's how Satan wants to make Christianity. It's, it's all about some modern trend, some fad, some popular thing, something that is just really hype. It's kind of like, you know, you know why all the churches now are talking about like uh, white privilege? If, if you go to a lot of churches in America, they're always talking about white privilege. You know why? Because it's on the news. It's popular to talk about. So look, CNN's talking about white privilege. So let's just talk about, no, that's not us. <laughs> we don't talk about what's popular. We talk about what God says in the text. Okay? But Satan wants to all make religion be about fads. So whatever is popular and hype, and Miami is a hype city, right? Oh, man, everybody's going to that restaurant. Let's go. That's, that's, that's not God's stuff. That's the other guy's stuff. You know, 2 Timothy 4 says there's going to be a time, which that's been a long time already, where people will want to turn away from the truth and heap up teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. And, and Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, preach the word. 
Don't be about trends. Don't be about popularity. Don't be about cool for Jesus. Be about truth. Things that are always going to be true, like Jesus was crucified for sinners. Jesus is fully God and fully man, and he is our prophet, priest, and king, and ruler. Things that are transcendent, that are always going to connect us to God, not the new hype, the new trend, the new whatever. So what it looks like, it looks like about our awesomeness, not God. Second, trends to follow, not truth. Here's a third thing I see here. It's all about being preoccupied with signs, not the Savior. Preoccupation with signs, not to save. Look what it says in verse 13. Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he constantly was with Philip. Listen. And he was astounded as he observed the signs and great miracles. So people are getting baptized, which baptism points to God's grace and salvation, and and Simon's not seeing that. He's like, man, look at the look at the apostles' power. Now, Satan always likes to make Christianity um, not about the salvation priority and prominence. He wants us to be all obsessed with the signs that point to our salvation. He loves that. Why? Because signs are not the point. I mean, remember when Jesus fed the the crowd? He gave bread out of nowhere. They're like, yo, Jesus, more bread, man. He's like, not the point. (laughs) I am the bread of life. I made bread so you could know that it is my body and my blood that feeds your life eternally. Dude, it's not about the bread. But Satan wants to make it about the bread. He wants to make it about the signs. He wants us to kind of be, yeah, salvation is nice, but wow, that guy got up and walked out of a wheelchair. That's, you know, salvation's great, you know, redemption's great, adoption's great, but you know what? Like all of those signs are really, really where the thing is. And that's pretty much what Simon's into and what the devil is kind of working in here. Um, it's kind of like the woman who's like, you know, she, she, you know what I noticed about women and men, but let me just pick on women. They want a, they want a wedding, they want to get married, and they want a ring, but they don't want a guy. You like the idea of wedding, weddings, you like the idea of having a ring, but you don't want a guy. That's what, that's what Satan's about. It's not about God. It's not about salvation and knowing Christ. It's about the rings and the signs that are really pointing to the thing. So guys, do not get it twisted. Biblical Christianity is always going to be more about salvation, less about signs. False Christianity is always going to be more about signs and less about salvation. Now, did I just what did I just describe? I just described most of Miami. Yeah, 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 great, great, your salvation. Oh, no, no, but, but, but what we see here, Satan is trying to deflect people from the beauty of salvation by getting us obsessed with all of these so-called signs. Now, again, signs are not bad. They're just, they have a purpose, right? And when you, when you drive on the palmetto, the purpose of the sign is to put you to where you're going. Not to go over there and climb on the sign and be like, yeah, this is great, okay? He loves to deflect us from being preoccupied with salvation to the signs. But here's something else I see here. He likes to move us from being preoccupied with um, Jesus himself 
with people. He likes to move us away from being obsessed with Jesus himself to being obsessed with people. Look, verse 13 says this. Simon himself believed, and after he was baptized, he went along constantly with Philip. Now, that word constantly with Philip in the Greek is the same word used in Acts chapter 2, where it says the church was devoted to the apostles' preaching and prayer. And then later in Acts chapter 6, that same word in the Greek says, we apostles must devote ourselves to preaching of the word. So when it says that Philip was constantly with uh, Philip, I'm, I'm sorry, Simon was constantly with Philip, what it's really saying is that Philip was obsessed with being devoted to, no, Simon was obsessed with being devoted to Philip. He was all about Philip, not about the gospel. His connection was to people. His devotion was to people, not about the gospel. And that's what Satan loves to do. I want to be more focused on who preaches Christ than the Christ who's being preached. I'm more concerned about who is telling me about God than the God who's being told about. I'm more impressed. It's basically, um, I want to worship the guy who's preaching Christ and not worship the guy who the Christ is preaching. It becomes obsessed with a guy. All the religion is about a guy's face, his name, and all of a sudden, it becomes more about people than the Christ who people preach. And Simon pretty much shows us this is what he's about, and this is what the devil's about. Listen, the devil likes to take a guy who preaches good, true Bible stuff, and he likes to make the people of God be more obsessed with this guy who preaches this stuff than the Jesus who he's talking about. It doesn't matter. You know, you can be saying whatever you want. As long as I can make you more obsessed with the, Jesus, with, with the person who's preaching Jesus and kind of indifferent to the Jesus being preached, I've done my job. And that's kind of like where Simon is at. And listen, biblical Christianity is always, look, you know how, you know how the apostles describe themselves? Ambassadors, witnesses, um, some, sometimes they call themselves garbage pails, crackpots. Um, if, <laughs> whenever it becomes more about us, and less about the Christ that's being preached, we have missed biblical Christianity. And again, are you guys familiar with this stuff? Are you familiar with this stuff? Let me ask you a question. Um, if I left here and I went somewhere else and someone else came to preach preacher and they preached the gospel, would you want to stay here and listen to it? So, someone told me one time, I was like, Aldo, like, if you leave the church, and I, they're just speaking hypothetically, I'm not leaving, okay? I'm not going anywhere. Okay, I'm here. That church would end. I'm like, really? Oh, I get it. So Aldo preaching Jesus is more important than Jesus being preached. Satan's like, yes, that's a win for me. (laughs) I have convinced these people that the who is more important than the he. But not true. Not true at all. So it's more about being preoccupied with people, less being preoccupied with Jesus, but here's something else, and I'm going to read the next part of the text to kind of develop, like, more ideas. Look, when the apostles, this is verse 14, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had welcomed God's message, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down, they prayed for them so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit, for they had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and then when they received the Holy Spirit, Then Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands. He offered them money, saying, Give me this power too, so I can lay hands 
and people may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain something brief here. First of all, um, Acts is a period of transition. So it means like we're, we're, we're moving away from like the old age to the new age. So there's things that happen in Acts that don't happen after Acts. So for example, have you ever heard of the whole thing about being ba- the second baptism of the Spirit? So one of the things that people use is they, they refer to this text to say, see, they believe, but they didn't yet be baptized by the Spirit. And the assumption is that that's a normal thing. But actually, that's just because there's a transitionary period. Now, once the transition happens, now, if you're a believer, you're baptized in the Spirit. That's why Ephesians says you are sealed by the Spirit of God. If you're in Christ, you need no other baptisms. You have one filling of the Spirit that regularly then affects you. But you don't need to be baptized multiple times. We just have a transitionary period here in Acts. Okay? Make sense? So this is not something that's normative. It's just something that's more about what happened as the period was transitioning. So look, after I explain that, let me just draw another thing about how do, how do we see what it looks like to um, see Satan working a counterfeit. Look, it's more about personal ability and less about being reconciled to God. Satan's religion is more about it's, le- it's more about human's ability and less about us being right with God. Look, look. so basically, Simon sees people believing Jesus and being filled by the Spirit and then getting baptized. All these things are about salvation. And you know what he sees? He says, power! Power to, to be powerful! It's like, dude, did you just miss everything that just happened there? People are getting saved. People are knowing Jesus, and you're like, I want to be powerful in Jesus' name. That's all he sees. Now, there's, there's three different kinds of settings. One's a locker room. You know what locker rooms are like? It's all about the achievements, right? Hoorah, hoorah. Like, yeah, man, you know what, right? Uh, marriages are about the person. They should be. But we kind of make them like locker rooms too, Right? Um, and parenting is about the person. Locker rooms are about power and ability and achievement. Marriages and parenting is about their relationship. Now, Satan wants to make Christianity a locker room. It's all about personal power, personal achievement, and not about us having a reconciled relationship with our maker who now becomes our father. And so listen, it, it, looks, it sounds like this. God, I'm more concerned with power over financial weakness, and I'm less concerned with the power of forgiveness that gives me a dad who I've never known. I'm more concerned with power over demons. You know there's people in Matthew 7 that says, then we pass out demons in your name, and they're like, Jesus, like, I don't even know who you are. They're more concerned with power over demons than the power of God taking you out of darkness, bringing you into his living room, and making you his beloved child. They're more about, you know, I really like the, the Star Wars Jedi kind of kicking Satan's butt stuff. You know, that adoption stuff is, yeah, whatever. More impressed with power over marriage issues, power over personal issues, power over kid issues, than being really preoccupied with the fact that Jesus' work, his life for us, his death for us, and his resurrection It gives us a relationship with God. So Satan wants to make God kind of like, more like a, more of a genie. You know, they put the new uh, Aladdin movie. Like, just just rub the God genie lamp so God can give you stuff. But 
Beloved, Christianity is about God himself and how God gives you God himself. And that's the treasure and joy and point. But Simon and Satan and all of the confusion is like, man, I want power. I want, I don't, I don't want God to be the home run. Okay. I want to hit home runs for God. But beloved, Christianity is about God's the home run. What, what's this cross about? What's this forgiveness of sins about? What is this justified state that I get? What is it about? It's about getting God personally in your life and your soul, not power for living. And if you spot into that lie, you know exactly who you're hearing from and you are hearing the wrong things. Beloved, Christianity is about how God does all in his grace to give us God himself, not just personal power and whatnot. But here's something else. Like, what, is that, what else does it look like? It looks like us wanting to be the apostles, not learn from the apostles. It looks like us wanting to be the apostles, not wanting to learn from the apostles. Look what happens. Look what Simon says. He says, when he saw the apostles laying hands, he said, I want to be like them. Give me that too. So basically, Satan wants us to not be satisfied with, okay, we're not, we're not the apostles. We're not the 12. We're not the third. I didn't see Jesus, okay? I didn't see the resurrected Lord. You know what? So I'm under the apostles. I learned from them. I, I, I cite them. And I say, listen, listen to what the apostles wrote. They saw Jesus. That's, like, that's not enough for you. You got to be a apostle. Because you know what? Like, apostles powerful, right? If I say I'm an apostle, then you got to listen to what I say, right? God talks to me and I talk to you as opposed to, no, God talked to them, the apostles, and I preach what the apostles said. But Satan always wants to. Make Christianity not be enough to stand on these guys who were with Jesus. We got to be the apostle, which is why almost every false gospel is attached to people who claim to be apostles. Listen, if you ever hear someone say they're apostle, run a mile, a million miles away. This is Simon. This is what Satan does. Oh, they're apostles. I want to be an apostle too. No, no, no. We are under the, you know, this church is, you know, this church is apostolic, right? You know what that means? It means that we listen to the authority of the apostles and we cite the authority of the apostles. And we, I don't have apostolic authority. Paul does. Peter does. So I just cite them and I refer to the eyewitnesses who were with Jesus. I don't walk around here with an A hat on so you can be impressed with me. Oh, el apóstol está hablando. You ain't no apostle. Unless you saw Jesus resurrected, you don't meet the qualifications. But Satan wants to do that. Because if you direct people away from these apostles who are with Jesus, and you point people to other ones, you know what? They start listening to you, and they start listening to them less. Correct? That's what he's doing, and that's what we see here. So I got two more things to say before I go to, like, what, what does this do to us? Satan's stuff is about divine control, not divine confidence. So we want to control God, not trust in God. So look, look what he says. He's like, listen, I want, look what he says. I want to be able to give people the Holy Spirit. 
So people are being filled by the Spirit, baptized. They're trusting God. And, 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 and Simon's like, yo, I want to be the one who gives the Holy Spirit. I want to control God. I want to be the one. I want you to, I want you to have to go to God through me. Now, why is that significant? Because listen, God wants a, the true church to be like, listen, I'm not the gatekeeper. You don't go to me to go to God. I tell you to go to God through Jesus Christ. It's his life that brings you to God. It's his sacrifice for sins on the cross that brings you to God. It's his resurrection and place in heaven that brings you to God. Listen, I'm not the gatekeeper. I am, you don't go through me. You go to God through Jesus Christ. You do not go through me. But Satan wants to make the church to be like, listen, if you want to go to God, you got to go through us and our system and our rules and our ceremonies. We kind of make you jump through our hoops so you can get with God. Sounds, sounds simple, right? Satanic. 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 Beloved, the true church is getting out of Jesus' way so that sinners can connect with Jesus. The false church is trying to make themselves the gatekeepers that control God and control people's ability to relate to God. So if you want a relationship with God, you got to do what I say. you got to go through our rituals. And some people are really obvious about it. It's really obvious. And some people are a little bit more subtle about it. But basically, it's more about us seeing that we control religion. We're in between God and man as opposed to God being in control of religion and Jesus being the middleman. You know, it says, I love this text. It says, listen, there is one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus himself, human, who gave himself a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. So I say, listen, it's not by you doing what I said that gets you to be with God. It's not by you keeping our rituals, rules, and regulations. It's not by you. It's about you coming to Christ and me telling you, go to Jesus. He's the mediator. He is the Savior and priest. Do not go through us. That was a problem with historic Roman Catholicism. Oh, you want to go to God? Espera un momento. Wait a second. Go to us. And you know what? That's very alive in our city. Instead, the Pope has been replaced by the anointed pastor. You want to go to God? Do what I say. Go through my systems. Jump through my hoops. Blah, blah, blah. The true church always says, Jesus jumped through the hoops for you. So I'm going to show you that that connection you have is through the hoops that Jesus jumped through, the hoop of his life, his death and resurrection, not the hoops that I'm going to make you jump through. That's what the true church should do. We connect people to Christ. We don't become these kind of divine controllers and, you know, gatekeepers of whatnot. But here's the last thing I see about Satan's counterfeit. is It's all about finances, not faith. Look at, look, look at, look at uh, Simon says. Give me this power too. And so he offered them money, saying, give me this power too. So basically... Simon's like, it's about money, right? I know. I've been religious for a while. I was a, I was a great religious guy before y'all got in here. Show me, the, you know, show me what, who I got to pay. And what does Peter say? May your silvers perish with you because you thought the gift of God 
can be purchased by money. Now, why is this significant in this conversation? Because listen, Satan wants to make the church trust money more than the gospel. He loves that. So he wants the pastor to make every Sunday an obsession about giving more. Because clearly the resources in the church is not the gospel. It's not Jesus bloodied for our sins, resurrected, sending the spirit of God with the gospel. The power is money, so we're going to obsess about money. We're going to feel powerful because we have money. We're going to put people in influence that lead the church. Why? Because of the wealthiest people. God blesses the rich, right? And Satan's like, I love that stuff. I love it if I can get the church to be more confident in its bank account than the blood of Christ. When I have done that, I have effectively dismantled their effectiveness. And we see that with Simon. Beloved, do not get it twisted. Money is a part of the church. But our confidence is not finances. It's faith in the finished work of Christ. Let me give you a secret. The early church was broke. Jesus was homeless. Do you think? He stepped on a mountainside, y'all. So the Savior was broke. The early church is broke. Oh, but we're in America, right? Things are different now. Satan's like, yeah, things are different. It's my time. (laughs) It's my time to make y'all more confident in finances than Jesus himself. So this is what it looks like. Let me say, is it, Pastor, you're very intense. You wave your hands and you know, your voice goes up like, is this really that big a deal? You remind me of those people on CNN and Fox News, like they're like cutting each other's heads off over like, you know, a certain economic approach to like the, you know, is it really that serious? Let me read. What does this do? Peter told him, may your silver be destroyed with you because he thought the gift of God could be attained with money. You have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. You know what Peter's saying? He's making statements that convey that this guy is damned and lost, which is my first point. What does this do to us? It damns people and excludes them from God. He says, listen, you and, your, you and your silver will perish. The idea is like the guy is perishing. And you have no part in this. So you think, is this really a big deal? Is, it, is, it, is this a difference between um, going to Popeye's instead of Chipotle? Because Chipotle's healthy, organic, right, you know? So I go, to Chip- I go to Popeye's. I might get a tummy ache. might get some cholesterol. You know, is that, is, that, is that the difference? No, it's the difference between going to Chipotle and drinking arsenic according to what we see here. Beloved, this kind of religion that Satan infuses with Christianity, it, it damns people to hell. Now, the wonderful thing about God's grace is a lot of people caught up in this stuff that are Christians. But that's because God is preserving them in spite of the environment they're in. But get it, do not get it twisted. This kind of religion that diverts people away from Christ himself to these things, it makes people robbed of their capacity to know the true God and truly be saved. So it's really serious. I'm not just up here waving my hands because I just have a hobby horse. Peter says, may your silver and you perish. 
with this mentality of this religion that is somehow Christian but somehow satanic, it doesn't work. It's either one or the other. But here's the second thing I see that it produces. It produces empty externalism, just outside nothingness on the inside. Look, it says, your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness of yours and pray, Lord, that your intent of your heart may be forgiven you. So you guys familiar with like uh, all those things you do to uh, mask the symptoms of being sick? So you have like the, the you know, these antihistamines and all this stuff. So you stop having runny noses. It, it doesn't really, you know, here's a secret about, you know, grandmothers who always, toma talenos, toma, toma algo, aquí, aquí. It, it doesn't do anything. It just makes you feel better and it reduces the symptoms. Okay? Beloved, what we see here is that when Christianity is all about us being great, when Christianity is all about money, when Christianity is, is, is all about, you know, obsessing over trends and signs, not salvation, it does nothing to save and penetrate the soul of man's heart. It just, it's like this, it makes pretty boxes with nice bows with a bunch of rots on the inside. Do you know why there's so much religion in Christianity and so much worldliness? Because it's this stuff. It doesn't penetrate the heart. Beloved, only the preaching of God's law and its truth and only the preaching of the gospel of Christ, Jesus Christ living our life under law, dying our death between the Father and us and bearing the weight of our guilt, being buried for us, raised triumphant. Only that message gets deep into the soul of a man and transforms a woman to be godly on the inside and not just his pretty box. There's no power in this stuff. Just looks nice. Oh, man, look how nice it is. You know... You guys remember that movie, Tommy Boy? Is that too old for you guys? You remember Tommy Boy, that, that Chris Farley, that huge guy? This is part in the movie I think is pretty intriguing. He's like, listen, this person has a box. And look what the box says. It has a, these promises and it looks really pretty. Where is your box? He says, listen, if you want me to put... Uh, animal feces in a box and put a promise on it. I can do that. But actually, it's not about what's on the box. It's about what's in the box. Okay? That's, what, that's, that's the gist of this here. Do you know why churches have to be so obsessed? Religion have to be so obsessed with being so presentable and so impressive. Why? Because there's nothing on the inside. You're more obsessed with what, what it looks like on the outside than what's in the box. And beloved, because Jesus is in the box. Because the Spirit of God is in the box. We have power to transform people without this external superficiality that does nothing for people because Jesus, the cross, in the, is in the box. But this stuff just pr- pr- promotes a bunch of empty externalism, all this talk, all this fuss, all this hype, but no internal power that the gospel does. But here's the last thing I see, and that is that this produces just just pragmatism. Pragmatism means like you just do it because it works, right? Like ladies, like why do you, uh, why do you go on the whole 30? Because it works. 
you starve yourself for 30 days, you're going to lose weight. Okay? That's funny. Ha, ha, ha. You just do things because it works. Listen, look, look, look what Simon says. So after Simon said, after Peter says to Simon, sorry, Simon says, <laughs> Peter's like, you're going to hell, homie. Look, look, look what Simon says. Please pray that nothing that you said happens to me. <laughs> He's like, that, that doesn't seem to work too well for me. Can, can you make it work for me? And, and, and guys, you know what happens when, whenever we buy into Satan's confusion, that this religion should not be about the glory of Jesus, his supremacy and awesomeness, not about his grace, and not about how we're sinners who need him. Whenever that becomes replaced by this stuff, it creates a bunch of people who are bored with God and want to use him for their own lives. It makes God this glorified Santa Claus. So everyone comes to the, I'm the Santa Claus, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the elves, okay? Come to Papa Elf and let me get your whatever you want from Santa Claus and, you know, just do what he wants, you know, don't be naughty. But it makes us just bored with God and indifferent to God himself. It just creates this, like, whatever works for me. So, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a guy in prison who used to go to the church because we have a church service in prison. He stopped going to the church service that we were going to, and he started going to a Hebrew-Israelite thing. If you know anything about Hebrew-Israelites, it's, it's, it's a very legalistic self-salvation religion that says that, you know, whatever. And he was, and I, and he was like, the reason why I'm, I'm a Hebrew-Israelite now is because my, Kirk, my court case got pushed forward when I became a Hebrew-Israelite. I'm like, oh, right? Well, good for you. Make, that may work for you in time, but it will not work for you in attorney. Because it works does not merely mean that it is beneficial or good or helpful. Beloved, here's what Christianity looks like. I want to repent and trust Jesus because God's worthy of it. I want to obey God in my life because God is worthy of it, not because it works for me and makes my wife do what I want. I want to be a faithful pastor in this church, not because it'll work for me and it'll make me popular. I want to be a faithful pastor because God is worthy. You're worthy, God. That's why we do this thing. Not because it works. I want to love my wife the way God calls me to because God's worthy, not because it works. I want to invest in men here to be godly because God's worthy, not because it works. I want people to come to faith, not so we can brag about how many people came to faith and be impressive because, God, you are worthy that men would confess and know you. You are worthy, God. That's why we do this. But Satan's like, yo, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me give you something that works. And we, but we see here, it doesn't help. So let me, let me go back and just do some points of application. If Satan's trying to sell us the awesomeness of us and be as bored with the awesomeness of he, then, beloved, we should just be people that are over this kind of self-obsession, narcissistic kind of culture that we all are affected by. I want to be the most impressive person on Facebook. That's why you can't, you, 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 when you post a picture of your, of your devotional, it's got to be like, you know, right? My coffee, you know. Why? Because I gotta be awesome everywhere. Gotta be the most impressive person in my marriage. Gotta be the most impressive person in this house. Gotta be the most impressive person. I just gotta be awesome all the time, you know? Beloved, you know, let me let me let me say something that you might that you should be able to relate to. 
Some of the best moments in my life have been when I have felt so small and something so massive. Like, you know why you feel like humanly exhilarated when you look at a sky and you see this massive universe and all this stuff and you're like a speck on a speck? Isn't it exciting? Because you're made for that excitement. You're made to be lost in something massive and get over yourself. That's where your joy comes from. Nobody paints masterpieces because they're staring in the mirror. They get inspired to paint masterpieces because they're out in this colossal ocean nature and celestial skies. Beloved, that's God. God wants to get lost in how awesome he is and forget how awesome you are. And that actually makes you happy. Beloved, you know why so much of our life is so miserable? It's because... We're trying to, in some way, economic, social, relational, whatever, we're trying to become this awesome thing, and it doesn't work, and we think, maybe if I move here, maybe if I go to this job, maybe if I get a new guy, maybe if I get a new hairdo, whatever, it doesn't work! And Satan wants you to think it does. Beloved, if false religions are about trends, not truth, then we got to look here for what God wants us to do, not there. Here's a problem. People start out here, and they come back here. Beloved, we start here, and we go out there. We don't, we don't start out there and come back here. Listen, if it's popular and trendy, then you can probably most likely affirm that it's not true. I don't think so, Aldo. Jesus said the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. That's Jesus himself not, not paraphrasing, I'm citing. We go here first, then out there, not there first, then out here. If false religion is more about being preoccupied with people than Christ, so more obsessed with people than, than, than Christ, then we should, beloved, you know, why you, should, you know why you should love and look up to people and learn from them? Because they connect you to Jesus, not themselves. You know what our problem is? We have the wrong mentors, the wrong people we look up to. All these self-styled, look at me, listen to me, beloved, you should... Look to people and cling to them because they connect you to Jesus, not themselves. And on the flip side, your job is not to make everyone in your life listen to you. Wives, I feel like, you know, if I'm fair, you think that your home is about everyone listening to you. Husbands, what's your family about? Everyone should listen to you. You know, beloved, but actually, what we should be most concerned is that we could be people who connect people to what God says about them, what God thinks about them, not what you, I think about you. Why? Because religion is not about us. It's about God. So I want to connect people to Jesus, not connect people to me, which is why I, want to, when I, I don't want you to be listening to my opinions 24-7. I want to tell you about God and what he thinks and what he says and not just listen to me because religion is about people. And let me give you an example that may be um, helpful um, one time, this person in this room, I won't say who they are, um, they were talking about uh, why they didn't want to smoke um, when they were young. And, and they said, the reason why I don't want to smoke when I'm young is because I don't want to make my mom mad. Something wrong with that? Her view of why she's supposed to live is based upon a human's perception, not God. I, I want to take care of my body because God made me. You know, it's like, no, beloved, 
I don't care who it is in your life, whether it's your kids, whether it's your, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friends. When they're done listening to you, they should be like, this is what God wants. This is what God says, not you. Right? Can I get an amen? I want my kids to listen to what God wants, not what I want. I love y'all parents. It don't matter what you want for your kids. Oh, I want my kids to, like, you know, have an amazing job and go to an impressive God. That, that, what does God want for your kids? What is God most? I'm not saying, oh, God wants your kids to, like, be, like, running around, like, in, like, the woods, like, not knowing anything. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what does God want for your kids? So you speak to them and you connect them to what God wants as a parent. This is what we do. And Satan, but, oh, he's like, man, just, just be all about what you want and you, you, you. Make everything about you all the time. That's what I prefer. If false religion is about being more about the power than the person of Christ, more about us getting power than us having Jesus, then our prayer life should be different. Let me give you an example. Having troubles with my wife in the home. God, more than I want the troubles in my home to go away, I want the power to think that Jesus is more important than problems in my home going away. Because this is all about you. More than me not having some sickness, God, I want the beauty of Jesus Christ himself to be so compelling and attractive to me that I don't care if my body's falling apart. All I care is about Christ. I want to be more impressed with him than power in the situation. More than being a, the, the, on the positive side, on the winning side of the relationship or the problem. God, I want the victory of Jesus to be more sweet to me than any victory on the ground. I'm praying in light of the fact that our religion is about a person's glory, not about personal power. For me, you know, I pray, God, give me a passion to love Jesus as I trust Jesus more than having a bigger church. That's how we pray in light of Jesus being the glorious center. Not God, give me power for all these other things. God, give me the power to trust you as supreme. Beloved, if false religion is about finances, not faith, this is somewhat obvious, but I feel like I need, I need to say it. Listen, you should not feel good about how much money you should spend in your life. You should not feel most comfortable and secure. Listen, you know what I notice if, if I'm real about families? Your frowns and your joys go hand in hand with how much is in your bank account at the end of the month. And if you have a lot extra so you can go on a three-day vacation, you feel great. If you're just making men's eat, you feel miserable. And you know what? I get that. But you know what? Hello? You are an heir of God, seated in heavenly places, a part of the heavenly kingdom, forgiven, loved, and treasured, and on a path to glory. Hello? People in Miami are, you know, we're broke, but we're more obsessed with money than, than rich people are. How do I just get out of this 50K job? Listen, pursue that. But, beloved, your ultimate sense of stability will never come from that. Satan wants to sell you that. And make the quest to Christianity be the quest to the American dream. Beloved, the American dream is Satan's dream. Wait a second. All right, you extremist guy. Oh, man, you know, time out. What did Jesus, what did Satan say to, what did Satan say to Jesus in the mountain on the temptation? Oh, oh, you shouldn't, you're the son of God. You shouldn't be hungry. 
Come on. You're the son of God. You should, you should have all that you want. Beloved, who is that? What does Christ say? He says, I got what I need in my father. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about like taking a vow of, of poorness, okay? I'm talking about where your stability and confidence comes from. Here's the last thing I say. If false religion is all about outside appearance, then our view of God, godliness has to be different than Miami's. Beloved, if I'm fair, I love this city, but we have a very external, superficial view of what, is, what it looks like is what it is, right? So some of y'all think that if you can make your family look like you're happy, then, then, then that's what it is. We don't got to be happy. We just got to look like we're happy. And if we sell that we're happy, that's what it is. That's not what it is. Beloved, biblical Christianity, the power of the gospel, not all this kind of like superficial stuff, it's me wanting to internally, deeply, in the recesses of my soul and longings, desires to know Christ, trust Christ, and delight in Christ. I don't want to just look. I don't want to be, I don't want to say the right things, guys. I don't want to say I love you when I don't care about you. I want to love you. I don't want to post cute tweets on Facebook about God is glorious and wonderful. I want to feel that in my heart pumping by the gospel. I don't want to tell my wife, you know, oh, yes, I, I would love to uh, serve you, woman. In my heart, I'm like, no, I don't. You're always asked. I don't want, I want to want things by the power of grace that goes deep into my soul and makes me live authentically from the power of that grace. And I think that's what we see here is that one guy's got this religion. It's all about the outside, what it looks like, nothing on the inside. And God's wanting something more for us. So hopefully this bad example brings clarity to your mind when you say, what is, what is Satan trying to jack up? How is he messing it up? How is he corrupting it? Hopefully this picture with Simon makes it clear or clearer. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much that, um, you know what? If I'm honest, we're all, we're all Simons in here in some way. We're all craving for personal greatness, personal power. We're all bored with Jesus, and we all want, we're more impressed. We're, we're like, yeah, Jesus, you died for me and was raised, but you know what? Like, come on, give me some impressive thing right before me now. We're all have some elements of Simonness, but God, your grace is abundant. Your grace is relentless. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to see those tendencies in us and long for grace to renew us over and over again so that we could just enjoy what you want for us, which is so much higher than these counterfeits and just lower things that Satan's always trying to sell us with. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website, reconcilechurchmiami.org.